welcome back. This podcast is scheduled for one fall. With a 60-minute time limit coming out of the black corner to combine with 666 pounds, recording to you from East Highland. I'm your boy, Xander Hobbs. This is... Bobby, the original Oos B. And once again, we're bringing you another edition of the... WrestleOcalypse! It is upon us. And we are back indeed. Bringing you another mommy-approved edition of the Wrestleocalypse. You like that? Thank Bobby for that one. So I feel like it's been a little bit since we got together, but let's start off with SummerSlam. Yes, absolutely. SummerSlam as Triple H booked shows live premium events have done. I think it delivered. Like, I mean, almost like the mailbag, not quite as good as our mailbags, but Honorable mention, right? Like top to bottom, I think it was booked correctly mostly. I think it was paced really well. Um, and I really enjoyed the show, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Like everything was good up until the main event. And the main event, I don't think it was necessarily bad. It just was probably the weakest bloodline segment. In a while. And then with the result, it made it even worse, I thought. Yeah, it felt like somebody was pulling pulling triggers a little too fast. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. I thought the probably the high... I felt the this was like booking 101, how to start off SummerSlam, the second biggest show, right? The second biggest... Like, the way they started this show off, I was like, yes, this is awesome. Like... Logan Paul and Ricochet gets the crowd hot, right? Like the way they wrestle the whole thing, the crowd's going to be hot because of Logan Paul and all that stuff. And I think I do feel like the crowd is getting behind Ricochet. They are like, yeah, that made it a cool match. And then they're high flyers and, you know. Yeah, the match was good. Logan Paul's really good at preparing for the stuff he's going to do. Let's put it that way. Like, um, because like we have people online saying like he's the best thing since Kurt Angle and all that. Let's just relax right there. Um, the guy's good. He respects the sport, which I appreciate. I don't like to like him, but like I have to respect him and tip my hat to him because it was a very good match, and um, I thought it went off really well for the both of them. He had to get the win. Maybe that's why they put him against Ricochet. But um, all in all, I don't have any complaints about that one. No, and it was just an exciting, fun match. If like if you're there and you're just getting started, like that's cool, you know. And then they followed it up with with for some people, this may have been the match they came to see. Yeah, this one was good. I, I agree. It was best Brock Lesnar match in two in years. Quite, in quite some time. In quite some time. And like the the Cody fighting from underneath, he's just really good at doing that, especially against Brock Lesnar. There were a couple of times where like I thought he was going to not come out on top, but we all knew, you know, the smart money said Cody was winning this one. But I liked how they made it like an emphatic win too. no shenanigans. He hit the three crossroads and that was it. And the no kickouts. It was good. I, mm-hmm. I liked it. And then I liked the end, especially, too, because apparently that was um, out of pocket. Yeah, unscripted. And apparently Brock Lesnar uh, injured himself during the match, which I'm not surprised. I mean. 
it was a pretty Look at the guy. match. I can't imagine he doesn't injure himself like reaching for things. He's just like, ah. He's but such a big I, dude. I thought it was such a dude. good I thought it was definitely better than the last match. Cause the whole cast thing was a little bit yeah to me over too much. Um so I really enjoyed that. And those were like this was the first hour, like these two really good matches. Um, and I thought they did a really good job of bringing the, the battle Royale in. Right. Like it was cool. People could cool off a little bit, get to their seats, maybe get whatever they needed. It was a long enough match. And I mean, we all kind of knew who, who was going to win. Yeah. The crowd was happy about it. Which is odd. Usually WWE doesn't do a lot of crowd service. Like, I know. Right. But I think they finally got something with this guy. Cause uh, well, they're finally listening now. Because he's on, he's getting wins. He's getting involved with Miz, which we'll get to in the later um, part of this wrestling show. Um, but uh, he's starting to pick up wins, like small wins, and not he's not being completely like buried like they were doing to him earlier. Yeah, it's like they tested him. They're like, okay, as soon as the crowd turns on you, we don't have to deal with you. And they're like, oh, okay, five times the crowd's never turned on him, and now they're chanting his name at AEW, right? Right episode, so it's like you better capture this shit in the bottle, you know. Yeah, they need they need another guy because they don't they're running out of main eventers. Yeah, and the way that you know, overall, like I said, I think I like I like how this was booked, but I think you look at long term and definitely you can see where they need to start bringing some different people in, like you know. We'll talk about it in a second, but the next match, Shayna Baszler beat, in her words, beat Ronda Rousey out of the WWE. Wow, the match that no one crowd chanting, thank you, Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Shayna Baszler has never had the crowd chant for her. This is probably Seriously. the highlight of her pro wrestling career. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that one, I mean, I didn't even know about the MMA style stipulation that they put on it. I don't, I mean, did you know about that? I did, but they didn't, you know. We knew who was fighting. We just didn't care. No one cared. No one cares about this. They tried to rush it. And I, I don't know why they rushed it so much. They were like tag team champions and everything. And then everything just happened just like that. But um, I think I just, I kind of tuned out on this match. I didn't yeah, really like, pay attention. I to think, it. I think there was a point where they thought they would resign Rousey. And then when it became clear that wasn't going to happen, they had to change gears. Right. And then okay. they're like, fine, we're going to fucking, you're going out on your back. Goodbye. We can try to elevate Baszler. Who's like, she has a nice little run in NXT, but she's pretty boring. Yeah. She's pretty bland. You know, she doesn't really have a connection with the crowd. So she needs to be like a silent muscle type, you know? And it's like, I don't realistically, like I don't see her competing with Bianca Belair or Charlotte Flair or, Rhea Ripley or the top of the men, the women's division, you know? So no, not at this point. No, but it was cool to see her beat, you know, beat Ronda Rousey and send her packing. So, yeah. Can you imagine though? Like Rousey came, remember when she was like her debut at WrestleMania, I'll just make this quick. And she was like slamming um, triple H and Stephanie and the crowd was just popping for everything she did. Fast forward to like, then a year to two years later, and like she's in her last match that no one gives a shit about. No one gives a shit. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, and it shows like 
that's why LA Knight is special because he's got this connection with the crowd. Like right. you, you can't, you gotta like, you know, feed that. You gotta like nurture that. You gotta build on it, I think. Yeah. And the other thing too is like, uh, yeah. I mean, Ronda Rousey just had a lot of I think a lot of ego, you know, which got in her way a little bit. But um, I really enjoyed this match, the Intercontinental Championship match. Yeah, I mean, I was ex- I guess I was expecting a little bit more. It wasn't bad by any means. I just I was expecting like more from it, but it just seemed like a match we see on Raw. What I would say is I think our expectation was that Drew McIntyre was not going to lose so emphatically. Right. But it I mean, this was basically like not really a squash match, but kind of a squash match in a way. Because like Gunter's like, no, Drew, you're done. I'm moving on behind you. I am this. And again, like we've talked about it, the rewriting of the history. They're obviously pushing for Gunter to be the longest holding intercontinental champion. Exactly. So and it was a strong match. One thing I did think about this match is last time we recorded, we had the question about all the chops. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, there was more chops in this WWE pay-per-view or a live premium event than I've ever seen in WWE. It's like somebody's watching like, hey, they're chopping a lot over there. We got to get some chops in here. Yeah, serious. And with Gunter and Drew, it works, right? Like, no, yeah, because they're two big guys. And so, yeah, that that stuff works. And like they do it properly to where they're not just like standing there and like chopping each other like 20 times. Like it's 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 um, easier to watch. Yeah, it's in service of the match. Like it's right. a it's a part of the match, but it isn't like crazy. But Gunter obviously still dominant. Um yeah, he's gonna break the honky tonk man's record, like you said. So yeah, which I mean, I don't know. I guess. I mean, I for was, me, for, I'm sorry, go on. No, I was just gonna say I was never that big of a honky tonk man fan, but they just keep they're rewrite. I just don't like how they're rewriting all their history. Like it's, it's just I don't know. It's running me the wrong way. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I think Gunter's a better wrestler than Honky Tonk. Oh, easily. That goes without you know? saying. Yeah. And I have no problem with him having the, it just feels contrived. Right. Cause they're right. doing it. They're, they're doing it with every single title, you know? Yeah. So they did it with the Usos, Reigns. Belair. Yeah. Belair. And it's just like, I was telling this to Janine. It's like, I'm going to go a little off script real quick. It's like, they can give them all the accolades they want, especially Reigns, but he's never going to be in the conversation with like Hogan and Austin and The Rock, you know, Flair. or Flair, you know, guys like that. He's not going to be in the conversation. I don't care how many. They, do you agree with that or? Oh, I 100% agree with that. And I would also agree, like, I'm not saying nobody will ever get to that point, but like. They're there for a reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the best things I heard was like, you know, this fucking douchebag, uh, Kevin Nash, who sits in a podcast studio and just lobs grenades, criticizing everything. Right. And he's like his whole criticisms of L.A. Knight. And I loved L.A. Knight's response was like, I'm sorry. Like. The biggest thing I was doing as a young person was watching rock and stone cold. So, yeah. I am emulating them because like, that's what influenced me from a young age. Like 
You know, it's not always so cynical, like, oh, he's trying to like, it's like, no, that's just who he is. And he's kind of always been that way. Exactly. Like, exactly. So, um, and that's how awesome those people are. No one's going to emulate Roman Reigns. No. It's a great story. He has come so far. And the way he is committed, every may, every big match, he, he is committed to storytelling, which is awesome. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it works out great, which it has. This one came up a little short, but overall, like, I think it's fantastic. I think probably solely on the bloodline alone, Triple H should get Booker of the Year. Right. You know, this thing's been lasting so long. There's been so many moving pieces in it. So many, just so many, like, blow your mind, awesome spots, right? Like, so, um, you know, but he's not, he's never going to be those guys, right? And, and I don't know if anyone from the modern era is going to be. It's just different, you know? It's not. It's just different. And the, there was just another time. It was another – they're just on another level. And there's nothing wrong with that, though. Because, like, no. that's like you said, that's why those guys are special. But it's just like – I'm just – I just laugh when they're back to this rewriting their history stuff because it's like us real wrestling fans, you know, know. Like, who, who's, still, who's still in charge? Yeah, it was interesting. I just read on um, on my Google feed, there was a whole article. Uh, I'll, I can't remember who published it, but talking about how like Ric Flair influenced hip hop. No, oh, yeah. I that's how like, like, that's what we're talking about here, right? Hulk Hogan was on, it was in a fucking Rocky movie. Like, exactly. you know, all of these things. And it's like, recency bias right we all get so focused on what's going on now and think it's the best but it's like it's not and yeah you can you can keep the strap on him for as long as you want but it's not gonna he's not gonna get his shit carved in the mount rushmore wrestling no absolutely not and so, uh, i definitely agree with that all right rant finished yeah uh, and honestly because this is a great segue he's not the top talent in the company because that is the visionary the revolutionary. Oh, I mean, like the work that man has been doing is. Yeah, he's he's been holding it down for dude. Like all of his matches are strong. He brings so much to the table. The crowd is so over for him. Yeah, it's like I don't know. It's so it's just I'm. I didn't think it was going to be like that when he was running his mouth on Twitter and like acting a fool. But now it's, it's like, hey, this guy is at the top of the fucking game. He is. This is the, I, I don't care what anybody else says about this. This is the best version of Seth Rollins. Like since he's been like the architect, this is probably even better because he's just been having like just five star matches. I mean, I'm not a star maker, but like his matches has just been solid freaking through and through. Yeah, I saw this stat. It was a while ago. They're like, Seth Rollins has uh, Seth Rollins defended the title more times in one month than Roman Reigns has all year. That's you about, know. Sounds about right. Yeah, because, dude, every match he puts is going to be great. He can go against anybody. He can get a good match out of anybody. Yeah, I like I liked this match with Balor um, that they just came out with. Um, I like the seven on his uh, shoulder that he wrote on. From the time he um, broke the sh- broke the shoulder on that spot, um, and then it got interesting with the bloodline stuff. I don't think it needed that Judgment Day or Judgment Day. I'm sorry. 
didn't yeah, think it in, a, stuff. in a way, I feel like this, the Finn Balor, Seth Rollins match was more in service of the judgment day than like a legitimate Finn Balor, Seth Rollins feud. Yeah, I feel that too. And I, I get it because I feel like they've really done a good job. And maybe this is another reason why Triple H should get Booker of the Year. Like, all of them are over. Like, everybody is getting tossed. Yeah. yeah. Like, Dom is like... Dom is like the almost the top heel in the company. Yeah. And the way he went and wrestled at NXT and, like, actually, like... Because he's kind of like they treat him like a joke in in the main roster, right? But then he goes down there, and you're like, oh shit, this guy's like, he's obviously doing work. He's no, obviously, he is. you know, he's, he's decent. Like I'm gonna give it to him. I I mean, the guy gets a big reaction, so they're doing. He's doing something right, and he's good enough to have good a good match, right? You can't just get heat and be shitty. So. But I did like this Finn Balor match. I did like all the intrigue. I love the Damian Priest face memes that are just like, I mean, they're not the most popular memes. We're going to talk about Montgomery. Uh, oh, yeah. That yeah. stuff. But like for wrestling memes, I feel like right now that's like the most popular. Just like the face he made and everything was great. Also, the curb stomp onto the briefcase. Yeah, that was sweet. I like that. It was just like, uh, it was the coup de gras, if you will, of the match. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, next I thing. really, really liked the women's match. To me, it picked up from when she got injured, or when she when the, she got injured, it, it the, picked up. I agree. The fake injury, and then everything got really physical. Yeah, and like the very end when Bianca Belair came back, and her and Charlotte were going at it. I was like, this is the most physical match. Possibly of the night, like yeah. just the way it was like they were selling it so hard. And I was like, okay, when Bianca Belair won, I was like, that kind of sucks. Like, yeah, I wanted Oscar to retain, but having EO come in and cash in and using the briefcase to fuck her knee up even yeah. more. Yeah. Back to that. I, I thought that was real. The way she was selling it. I thought it was real for a minute. Especially the way that Corey Graves was like, let's pan over to the action. What's going on? I, they really did a good job with that because like they had me for a little bit. Yeah, but it all was to service and I love it. I think it was the perfect way to uh, like, yeah, Asuka lost the title, but not really, I guess, like because the, the weird three way. But then now EO Sky has it. And like, I think she totally deserves it. I think she could have a good title run. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at her cashing in, honestly. Yeah, and either way, Charlotte took the fucking pin. Yeah, for sure. Right, not often that happens. So, no. like, and Booker of the Year, Triple H. You actually got Charlotte to take a pin. But here, here's the match that we've all been waiting for, though. Well, everybody was waiting for, right? And this is probably the one I would say. Not, it's like the negative mark on the show. Yeah, this match did not live up to the expectations. First of all, like they were calling it tribal combat and saying like the elders were getting involved in stuff. But like, I feel like it was just a no DQ, no count out match. Yeah. And there wasn't supposed to be any interference except for like everybody who interfered. Everybody interfered. So (laughs) I did like Paul Heyman crying. Yeah, that was Paul Heyman. 
his shenanigans on the side really cracked me up. Like between Reigns talking shit to the crowd and his opponents, mm-hmm. I, I really like that. And then I like Heyman with all his mannerisms in the back. Those make the matches. But this one, this one just wasn't doing it for me. I don't know what it was. It was just, it just never got out of a first gear. It didn't. And like, there's some rumors that are saying that maybe Roman Reigns injured himself. And so they had to do this or that or whatever, but like, I don't know, they're pros. I'm not buying it. No, like, I just think that they've run so hot for so long. Eventually you were going to get a dud of a match. And this one just was unfortunate that this was the one, right? Right. Right. Like, and also this is a testament to like what Sammy Zane and Kevin Owens brought like the turmoil and the conflict and like, you know, and also again, it's like, we, we really hammer Tony Khan on this, but it's like the tribal rules should be a blow off. Like that should be the end. And it obviously wasn't. So you should never have done that. Well, um, I got a spoiler on SmackDown tonight because we all know that Jimmy Uso is the one that cost Reigns the match or not Reigns, Jay the match. Mm -hmm. So I got a spoiler from SmackDown. So Jay comes in, he beats up everybody, talks first, then he beats up everyone. And then he gets Jimmy to come back and he super kicks Jimmy and he says he's out of the bloodline. He's out of SmackDown and he's out of WWE. And he walks out through the crowd. So that's how that was resolved. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Resolved with a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, again, it comes back to, I mean, we know what's really going on is they're just trying to extend this. So Braun Breaker at WrestleMania can take it off as one of our intrepid listeners posited like a year and a half ago. Yeah. That was so long ago. We got to go through the archives and find if that happens, we oh. just have to have that on deck. I know. And then we'll check out the IP address and we'll realize it's coming from Connecticut and it's coming from somebody's it's fucking uh, heavy squat Vince one. (laughs) So um, yeah, overall SummerSlam, I thought was great. I agree with you. The ending typically lately, the ending, especially with bloodline has always been amazing. Like, and this one wasn't. And I saw the same stuff, the spoilers. I'm going to watch the SmackDown. I want to see it, but just reading it, you know, again, maybe this is a bit of a whiff, but foul ball. I watched some of it. Like the, nothing really caught my attention. Do I watch the LA night segment and then um, AJ Styles and Karen Cross, man, Karen Cross is just getting buried. I mean, I, I know it's, it's no shame losing to AJ Styles, but he lost to he, AJ put him in the styles clash even. So. Yeah, I mean, there's like a whole, it's like cross, riddle, like, um, they just have a bunch, like, and that's part of the problem, right? It's like, not everybody can eat. No, I mean, but you, when can, you have a hundred people. There's, I just don't understand why you bring these guys back and you do that. I mean, the riddle, I can understand, you know, he's not reliable. Yeah, he's, so yeah, Karrion Cross has like there's no peep of him being any problem or anything. Well, and it's like how he came in and he put the hourglass down for Reigns, and he's like they set it up like he was gonna go after Reigns. 
and then just nothing. I don't know what happened or whose Cheerios he pissed in, but he's just not doing a goddamn thing. And I know, and AJ Styles is not that high up the card right now. So him, him having a program with Styles isn't really a top deal. No, no, it's not. Like, and that also sucks too. That's the thing. Is like, I'm not super happy with AJ Styles. Like, yeah, you know how they're booking him. It's like, he doesn't have like he's got way less days in front of him than behind him. Yeah, that's true. Don't send him out with like like some fucking jabroni. But you know, I'm interested to see where they go. You know, we're at this weird time. We're in the fall. We're gonna have what three, two or three more live premium premium events. But then first of the year comes and it's basically the push toward WrestleMania, right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they line all their ducks up. But I mean, at this point, obviously Roman Reigns, the only person who's going to take the title off on the roster in the is Cody. Yeah, that's it's got to be the only person. They got to be able to circle back to that, which I'm sure. Yeah, they, and that's the whole thing, right? This finish the story, right? right. Like they're going to circle back so, to it. And maybe that's the thing. Rumors are there's going to be a feud between Sokoa and Reigns. Right. Which makes sense. Because eventually Reigns has to get written off so that he can go do his thing, right? Yeah, like, exactly. He wants to go do movies. He wants to wrestle less, all these things. So it's like, how are you going to do that? Well, cool. He battles against Sokoa. Then he basically, he doesn't have the Usos. He doesn't have Sokoa. He doesn't have Paul Heyman. And he has to go up against Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes finally, one-on-one, puts the stake in Roman Reigns, takes the titles. And there we are. That'll be Reigns goes away for a while. Does his thing. Cody Rhodes. Babe. We, now we have the title on a baby face, which ha- has been a long fucking time. And it'll be a big reset too. hundred percent. And then you've got like, I feel NXT is as healthy as it's ever been. I mean, Wesley Braun breaker, like the Jacova Doja. Dijakovic. Thank you. Yes. That guy. Like I love, always love that guy. Like, you know, and then bringing the main roster. Carmelo Hayes, the champion. Yes, Carmelo Hayes. You got you got the lone wolf. Barrett. And then oh, Von man. Wagner even had a match with Braun Breaker that wasn't bad. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's still hard for me to watch that, but the certain people that you just named and we did, um, I can definitely hang with those guys. Yeah, it seems like they're gonna, you know, there's room for them to move into the main roster and and, and have a spot, you know. And I feel, you know, there's rumors that Endeavor wants NXT to be a third brand again. Uh, and it's like, all right, well, if that's the case. Like, pull some of these main roster people down. Let them go in and help mix up that that NXT, you know? Like, when NXT went against the AEW, they were in the... It was the only time in, their, in the company... Since they since they had the initial like indie guys come through the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Tyler Black slash Seth Rollins, like that initial big push, they all went to the main roster. And then you you had, you know, Undisputed, which was really you had Undisputed and basically had Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and those guys. And it was really good. And they they were all talented and savvy enough. That you could you could make like a real show out of it, right? Exactly. So I think if you want to, if if Endeavor really wants to make them a third brand, you better bring some some of that main roster talent down and let it 
kind of go do its thing. Um, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah. But um, that was SummerSlam. Do we want to run through? I know we're against the clock here. Uh, do you want to run through AEW or what's happening in WWE? I know we just came off that. So Yeah, let's just shoot AEW real quick because we're only like uh, two weeks away from their next big pay-per-view all in. Mm-hmm. The, the the main event should be the main event is going to be the singles match for the AEW World Champion. Speaking of Undisputed, right? Good segue, huh? Adam Cole. Baby. Versus I'm better than you, MJF, who are also the most, probably the hottest thing fucking going right now in AEW. Selling the number one merch in AEW is their shirts. Like... Yeah, they're pretty- all of all of the content they're doing outside of it is hilarious. And so, over, dude. dude, it's all it's like it's gonna be in, like if you were in Tony Khan's position and you've already written, you've already planned your stuff out, right? You've got a plan how you want things to work, and the plan was always to have MJF go over, right? And Cole's not gonna be the champion, let's just be honest, right? No. But you have this really good thing going with the tag team. It's really been the best thing MJF has had going in his title run. Besides the Danielson thing. Yeah. But I mean. I don't know. Even though we knew Danielson wasn't going to win, the match was still fucking good. And right, the- right. But you and I are like, yeah, the Danielson thing was the best because that match was sick. But like. As far as programmatically, this what they have going is like, yeah, that's true. And I like Danielson as much as you do, but let's be honest, like, he's more about what he's doing in the ring than like all of this other stuff. So it's just really interesting to see if he's gonna, how he's gonna, which, if they're gonna pull the trigger and break him up. Like, who's gonna turn on who? No, I, what if, what if the, and what if it doesn't even happen because some shit goes down in the, in the pre-show and what if mjf fakes an injury so he doesn't have to wrestle uh yeah you know or some shenanigans because i don't understand why they put that shit in there unless there's going to be shenanigans there's going to be shenanigans it's like it's just going to be weird because if mjf turns on adam cole it makes adam cole look like an idiot because they saw that that was going to happen the whole time like i just don't i just don't think they should make anyone turn on each other and just have them have a straight up match for once yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's an option. I also think that if you go down my logic, they have a built-in all-time classic main event that everybody wants to see, which is Young Bucks versus FTR. Right. Right. So if you sell that, oh, it's going to be MJF and M. Cole, but shit goes down early, well, you all... Like no one's gonna tune out because they're all they're everyone's still gonna wait for FTR versus yeah, but they're not gonna not have their world champion wrestle. He's gonna wrestle on the pre-show. No, but they're but he's not gonna be hurt and then not wrestle the main event. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think they could totally do something like that. If he, so they're gonna have their world champion not wrestle in the main event. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be such an AEW move for them. To it do. was a total AEW move. hundred <laughs> percent, it is. And you have the Young Bucks and FTR main event, which probably but shouldn't be. People would be pissed. I would be pissed. I'd be pissed if that happened. You would be pissed too. People are going to be pissed when fucking uh, CM Punk comes in and costs, costs the Young Bucks the match against FTR. And then Kenny Omega comes and 
clears house. And now we have the, what everybody really wants is CM Punk and FTR versus the elite. Oh yeah. That I'm, I'm, I hope they can work to that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just like, if they have a straight up match, Adam Cole loses, where do they go from there? Right. That's the other problem with the whole thing. Well, they don't know. They don't really have anyone that they can build up. Everyone's busy with other shit right now. Unless you take Ricky Starks, you know, and but they already he was the first one fed to MJF. Yeah, I mean, so really what it is, right? Let's be honest, is basically MJF beats Adam Cole, CM Punk goes over, and finally they have to read, they have to, they have to have who to is the real champion. Who's the real right? champion, right? Which is fine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because we'll we'll be more interested in, I don't know. I just yeah, it sucks. They got found gold with MJF and Adam Cole, and it's going to be one of those things we're going to talk about. Like, man, they really fucked up. I like. I I feel like they get everything they could out of it. I feel like they're fuck. They're going to fuck it up. Oh, like, of course. That's what I feel like, and I'm not being negative. I just AW likes to drop the ball with shit like that. Yeah, and I think like also their AW fans are weird too. Like. They're not as they're not as reasonable as us. And look no. at them, call it down the middle. Like they're, they're just crazy. Like the crazy WWE fans. They just yeah. move to a different team. Like they just they're I got in a fight with this one guy online. And I was like, bro, I like oh. AEW. When? How long ago? This is like a week ago. Jesus Christ. Xander, you're a grown ass <laughs> man. I, all I did was put a comment and he had a stupid retort on it. I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, bro, I'm a fan. He's like, you probably don't even watch it, do you? I was like, no, I watch it every week. I, and then I just left the thing. But yeah. Like, here's the receipts. Here's the receipts. 130 episodes of our podcast going here back is. before the pandemic. Like, yeah, we don't want it. I don't yeah. watch the <laughs> Yeah, it is crazy. And like, this is only like, They've got a lot of work to do to fill out the rest of this pay-per-view because you know they want to have like they're gonna have like a five-hour pay-per-view. It's AEW, right? Like we can't just have a nice little clean two and a half hour show. Two and a half, three hours tops is what it should be. But right. So do you think they're gonna try to when do you think they're gonna have a hook fuck up jungle jack? Oh, and what did you think about RVD? I don't want to see him wrestle. And like I don't I don't want to see him wrestle all the time on a regular basis. But he hit some high spots, and he did not embarrass himself. No, he didn't. Um, and I like how he came out to walk. Like, yes. that's, that's cool. That was cool that he came out to that. But it's like, I just don't, it, like a, a washed RVD still doesn't make me care about Jack Perry. No, 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 100%. And like, we already have washed Jeff Jarrett and washed Hardys. And we have a lot of washed, there's a lot of people looking clean in AEW. I liked, I don't know what they have for the future. I like that he, he came in, did not embarrass himself, hit some high spots. No, like, and he's probably, he's probably the only ECW guy that'll be able to have a decent match. Cause none of those guys, maybe dreamer, but like dreamer can't really move too well. And then there's like Raven and Sabu. Those you can't, I don't want to see any of those guys in the ring, dude. No, no. And I didn't like, it was a fun surprise and it was a fun yeah. match. And the crowd was, the crowd was in the crowds into whatever AEW does. So it's, yeah. like, it's, it's hard to gauge somebody, something like objectively because the crowd pops for anything in AEW. Have you noticed that? A hundred percent. 
the crowd popping in AEW is like the WWE crowd waiting for anybody to take a breath and they all scream, What? It's like, exactly. no, man, I think I was just taking a breath. Is that where right. you say what? Get your shit together. But um, some good news though. Well, I don't know if you want to call this good news. I think it's good news. Um, Sheeta, new AEW women's champion. I do think it's good news. I think she is one of the, if not the most talented women's wrestler on that roster active right now. Um, I also think it was a, a brilliant way to try to break up this, the monotony they had with the outcasts versus the Britt Baker crew or whatever you want to do it. Like, unfortunately they have to like, you have to use these women in a way because they are the best of what you have. And so you're trying to find programs with them, but how they wrote that was terrible. Having, she to come back and win the title and she's an ass kicker and she used the kendo stick. And I think it's great. I think it's really what they needed. And I think there's a lot of opportunity moving through this next life. I think she retains at all in. Yeah, I hope so. I don't want to see the belt on Soraya. Well, I'm- no, I mean, that might be one. Th- I don't know. Do you think that the AW fans are super in Soraya's corner? They will be in Wembley. Yeah, that's true. That's stupid. That'd be so lame. That's that, fucking. A, that should disqualify. That should disqualify you as Booker of the Year if that. That'd be happened. an AEW move. God damn it! I didn't even think of. I just totally didn't even put that shit together. Yeah, that's terrible. I'm is, terrified of is, that. Is Tony Storm English, Welsh, Great British? Tony Storm is um Australian. Oh well, yeah, they're not gonna let her win. No, um, so I'm just. It, I just have a weird feeling that. They're going to do that. We'll talk about it more in the mailbag. Okay. 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 Yeah. And then um, I want to say the other stuff. I just, like I said, I think they've got a ways to go to fill out the rest of this, this uh, program for all in. And I'm interested to see how they do it. I don't, there's not, I mean, so they broke up the Jericho Appreciation Society. I don't know what that means. I saw that. I don't know what that so, means. Either. And so I don't, I, you know, like. There's a lot of people who have been prominent in previous iterations of these storylines who are now out. Right. So like. Is Chris Jericho not going to be at all in? I doubt it. Right. Like, mm, I, don't. I don't think so. Like so does he join the Callis family and like rumor has it that he might be wrestling against Will Ospreay, but I don't know how much that holds. I don't think it holds anything. And I don't think I want to see that match. There's no way Jericho keeps up with Ospreay. No, if he wants to go against Ospreay, let him go to do it in fucking Japan. Yeah, just how about you just don't do it at all? Like it yeah. wouldn't do just which sucks like here's the thing right 30 the 30 for the 30 under 30 i don't know i haven't checked are we going to talk about that later 30 under 30 yeah the wrestlers the espn list no okay so will osprey is 30 if they had put this out when he was 29 he is absolutely at the fucking top of that list yeah opens to mjf but will osprey is the best young wrestler in the world to me i think he is he has elevated his game consistently over the last two years. He's good on the mic. He brings an edge. And in the ring, you put him with someone. I mean, maybe the only thing he needs to show is that he can really carry a match. Yeah. Because, like, 
you went against Kenny Omega. Like, well, yeah, he's going to match you. Everything you could do, he can do too. So obviously that match is going to be amazing. But like, that's the only thing I haven't seen him do. Yeah. Omega had a good match with a blow up doll. So that's not really like a, you know, <laughs> bar setter. But um, yeah, I'd like to see what he can do on his own too. But like, I just don't see it being well with Chris Jericho such a, a couple steps behind and Osprey just, you know, going in all full of gears. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't either. And there's a lot of other odds it ends, but we don't got time for it now. So let's take a quick powder and we'll come back for cool shit. Again, we're back with your favorite segment, my favorite segment, the Dark Lord's favorite segment. What do we like to call it? Cool shit. And cool shit always starts out with the motherfucking mailbag. Let's get it going. All right. Shacked in a fool for love asks. Also starts with a definitive statement. I want to talk about the AEW women's division. All right. Seemed like it was in good hands with Jamie Hayter, but then she got injured and Tony Storm took the title. Do you think it was a good idea for Sheeta for Sheeta to take the strap from Storm? I like Sheeta, but feel like that title change came out of nowhere. I'm fine with it. I like Tony Storm as champion, but I didn't like her with the Outcast, and I think the Outcast story was going nowhere because you know Jamie Hayter's hurt, and you know it just. People don't care about the outcast, but back to the question. Um, I think it's fine for she to have the title because remember, she was the title holder during the pandemic era and she never really had a title run in front of the fans. So I think this is a good thank you for her to hold it from for her holding it down in the past like couple of years and anytime she's in the ring. So I'm t- definitely all right with it. Yeah, yeah. And I do too. And it's like, Yes, it may have come from nowhere, but sometimes when you see that the other story is not working, you got to make a change, right? And it's like, so they had to interject Sheeta into it, especially because like, how do you keep your best woman's talent off off the screen, right? So I thought it worked really well. I think it adds a lot of intrigue. I do think uh, since I had a moment to think about it during the interlude, like, this presents an opportunity, this four-way, to break the outcast up. Soraya, 
steals the opportunity from Tony Storm, and maybe we can finally get rid of that. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, I agree with Xander. Like, were you really invest that? It was anybody that invested in the Tony Storm title run? And if you are, you can send it to the mailbag. No, nobody was, dude. Nobody was. But thank you for the question. Shecked in a fool for love. This one is from the chair shot. I'm liking the potential of a CM Punk Ricky Starks program. What do you guys think? And do you see Punk doing the honors for Starks? Well, they just wrestled. Janine likes the Ricky Starks pose. Um, they just wrestled and CM Punk won, but there was shenanigans with Ricky Steamboat as the ref. Once again, backwards booking, you know, they have the special guest referee in their first fucking match. But um, I think that this program goes on longer and I, I'd hope Punk does the honors for Starks, but I don't see that happening. I know. But um, yeah, that's my answer. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, though. It's like the way the way the writing seems to be is that we're going to get an MJF CM Punk promo. Right. So there's no way that the whole premise is that they're fighting for this title that isn't a title. And so I don't see Ricky Starks going over. No, I don't like I think CM Punk is the most right now protected and entitled wrestler in all of wrestling. Yeah, he's not been a be doing any jobs for anyone no 100 percent. and if he does he's gonna fucking blow it up to the press and take three months off and complain about a chipped tooth or something yeah he'll have another hangnail yeah right um but yeah i mean i would say this is a good i feel that ricky starks has has not been booked well no he hasn't Cause he's fucking good. And there's been so many times like when, when he split up with Hobbs and like all these moments where you think this is going to be the moment he's going to get the burn, like, and he can succeed at AEW. They're not afraid. Like, you know, cause he's a smaller guy. Like he's not going to get the run in another company really, no. but they haven't, they haven't ever pulled the trigger and they're not gonna with CM Punk. The dude could fucking complain. And he got his own show. Like you think he's going to fucking do the honors and not do anything. But anyways, next question up. Propaganda. With Vince McMahon being served a federal grand jury subpoena and a search warrant, what do you think this means for Vince legally? And does this affect him controlling creative? It was interesting because you and I were kind of texting about this earlier. I absolutely think it... uh, impacts his entire position with the company yeah that's a big deal he's and he's not the controlling stake anymore exactly that was the whole thing like we were talking about um triple h xander and i earlier today um being removed from the board of directors but part of that is because endeavor and this really goes to show where the value of each company was endeavors maintaining control of the board of directors with six seats right and vince is obviously he has the most equity from WWE. So he's, but it's like the WWE side only has five seats. He's, he is on his back recovering from surgery. And now he's going through 
being subpoenaed for basically like, I don't know, fraud really is what it is, right? Yeah. You're basically using right. company money to pay off for hush money stuff. So there's an entire possibility that he's not even, he's not even on the board in a year from now, right? Like I think the realest possibility, because before it was like, yeah, he stepped back, but like he always, that I think the feeling from us was always like, yeah, he's still going to control WWE though. Yeah. I mean, he's the fucking like, you know, but now with this whole, cause I don't think Endeavor gives a shit. I think they're here to make money. Exactly. Period. So, um, and I think we talked about it. I think Triple H has until WrestleMania, where he basically he's going to control creative. He's doing the stories now. He's got the feud set up. He's going to get through the end of the year into WrestleMania season. And you know, I mean, if he can pull off some crazy WrestleMania shit, who knows what happens? But, um. I think like with Vince being both subpoenaed and surgery, this is opportunity. Absolutely. And I think lastly too, it's like Endeavor's going to look at the shit and they're going to be like, dude, like Triple H is being more well-received by the fans. We can make more money. Like I see there this, there's real possibilities of Vince being pushed out. Oh yeah. 100%. Like, especially when more becomes unveiled through this whole thing. So yeah, you know it's to, all gonna be unsavory. Oh, it's not gonna be good. Like this isn't this isn't good for Vince at all. Or Kevin Pritchard. No. Because that dick got hired back on for no goddamn reason. Oh, you mean Bruce Pritchard? Yeah, Bruce Pritchard, whatever yeah. the bucktooth guy is. Oh, Kevin Dunn. Yeah, whatever. Dunn, yes. Yeah. All right. All last. the lackeys run together for me. It's like, is it Daddy Mac or is it whatever the other guy is? Cool hand, cool hand, Angelo or whatever. Yeah. But I did like D- Daddy Mac telling. Uh, no, what I really liked is Daniel Garcia like dancing away from right. Chris Jericho. I liked all their promos. All their, yeah. um, they're, they're, they all seemed like a shoot because it's like people are like, where do you end up if you are either tagging with Jericho or like you had a program with Jericho? You don't end up in a good spot. But uh, we got one more question to go. Yeah, El Phantasmo asks, with training camp starting in a tough schedule, I have the Cowboys winning at least 11 games. Mm. I want to know if you agree with this, and if not, how far do you see them going this season? 11 games is a, is a tall order. 11 games is a lot for anybody. And, like, the schedule they have is hard. Schedule they have is hard. Um. I mean, I feel that like I expect them to be in the playoffs. At the least. Yeah. I mean, like the question is, are they going to be a wild card or are they going to win their division? And I think like the games are tough and they could go either way. I think like oftentimes it's like, well, how's Dak going to play? How is McCarthy going to call the fucking plays? Like, you know, I think, and with all of that, like, I feel it's probably more likely they're a nine win team and a wild card than an 11 or 12 win team and like a division champion. Right. But I mean, I don't think the, I mean, I don't think the Washington, they can't get any worse. Right. No. So at least there's two solid, easy wins. We lost to the commanders last year towards the end of the season. So like those wins aren't guaranteed. No, wins no wins are guaranteed. 
the wins in the division aren't guaranteed at all. Like it's just they play a lot of hard teams. Like so, I'm I don't know. Phantasmo uh, eleven games is a tough call. I, I'm not taking that bet. One loss against the Jets. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they'll beat the Jets at least. But that was our mailbag. If you have any other questions, comments, concerns, you can get us on Instagram, Xander Hobbs. It's X A N underscore or X A N D R underscore H O W B E S. You can find that on Threads. Bobby, where can they find you? WrestleOcalypse, uh, spelt like it sounds, but you know that because you're already listening to us. Oh man, we got we need to bounce back after that last question. That was rough. So let's get on to our match of the week. We're um, going to visit the Cruiserweight Classic. What year was this in? Like 20? I don't remember what year the Cruiserweight Classic was. I don't either, but I feel like it was, um, I don't know, mid, mid-teens? Yeah, let me see. I'm looking it up right now on the Google machine. This was in uh, 2016. Yeah. I feel like this was kind of peak uh, DIY. Well, yeah, because they they yeah they fought each other, and I think they were doing DIY. Did they do it, or was it after or before DIY? I'm not sure. It all kind of runs together those yeah. years. But anyways, I picked this match because both these guys are at very different points from this match and all the things that they went through to get to that point where they're at right now, and um, neither are doing very much right now would you say yeah well i think tomasa champa is coming off an injury and gargana was kind of like i don't know entertainment but he also has like a young kid and stuff so i don't know exactly what he's trying to yeah but uh, trying to like really do what'd you think of this match i liked it um but i'm like i'm a sucker for tomasa champa so yeah, and this was before the pre-Blackheart, so like he definitely didn't have it all together. But he was all these guys were always delivered in the ring. Yeah, like, they have really good. They they've always had really good chemistry. I agree with that, and I like that matters. You know, especially when like, you know, a lot of times that's what's lacking in NXT. Yeah, I agree with you. There's like not a lot of good chemistry going around. They're just like kind of slap guys together. And I like this one too because they always this one they planted the seeds very early for them them to have a breakup. So this is during DIY because I remember at the end of the match, Ciampa was hesitant to shake Gargano's hand. Yeah, and it's crazy because they didn't like make it very far. I don't think did they? No, they didn't. This was um this is still round one. Yeah. But it doesn't didn't really matter who made it far on this because no one really did anything that after the cruiserweight classic. I mean, um, yeah, it. I mean, yeah. There's people. I mean, what Tazawa was in it? Like Tazawa Eichner um, was in it, right? Um, what's his name? Noam Dar. Uh, TJ Perkins, who won it, uh, Cedric Alexander, the yeah. crowd like, chanted for him to be signed, and then like he got signed, and you know, he's, yeah, 
counting the lights. Mustafa Ali. Yeah. Who's back in NXT. <laughs> so I guess yeah. the only people that were truly successful from this, well, were in NXT. I mean, Cedric Alexander had a pretty good run on the main roster. Did he? I mean, I guess, right? Wasn't like... I mean, he was in the Hurt business for a little bit, and then they realized yeah. it was getting over, and then they put the kibosh on it. Thanks, Vince. Yeah. So, that, I don't know if that can constitute a good run out, but you can find this on Peacock or on YouTube, wherever you stream uh, wrestling matches. It's worth watching. It's uh, two guys that just, like Bobby said, have good chemistry, and it's uh, good to check out. Yeah, um, I was gonna ask a question. I just slipped my mind. All right, moving on to what are we watching that isn't wrestling this week? Two weeks. You want to go or me go? You can go first. All right. So I've been watching Glee. The uh, place I work at they like to watch that show a lot so I come up came up on it they have a couple episodes where they do some covers of good songs so I'll give it that much but and then we watched this uh documentary called the dark side of glee and I guess like a bunch of the people from the show uh, passed away from like drug overdose suicide uh drowning so that's a pretty interesting watch then we've been watching Jersey Source on Hulu slash Jersey Shore Family Vacation. And that's been all right. It's been pretty cool. Um, Johnny Football. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, Sammy's back from the old school Jersey Shore. So that's the big reveal for this season. And all the usual shenanigans are on. Tough enough, the usual. Um, this untold documentary on Johnny Manziel was really good. That was pretty good. Um, I didn't know a lot of things that happened on that. Like they made the story up that he came from like oil money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I thought that was crazy. Right. That was like what we thought was true. We thought that was true the whole time. Apparently um, Janine, she, she was up on it. She didn't, she knew it wasn't true, but um, I thought it was a good documentary, even though I wasn't a biggest fan of the guy, it was cool to get something like candid, like, you know, what was going on inside his head. And so I definitely suggest you check that one out. And yeah, then man, like uh, also uh, a word to the wise, like don't burn your manager because they'll be really happy to spill all the tea on an untold, like the whole shit about like having to like fake your dad's cardiac emergency. So you don't have to, you know, that was like the plan. They're like, what are we going to do? We're going to have your dad fake a heart attack. So you don't have to take a drug test. Cause like, right. You know, I also like how they tried to pretend like, yeah, I was totally on the straight and narrow while I was training and I just slipped up before the combine. It's like, mm, I'm pretty sure not like this is untold. Don't lie about it. Just be like, yeah, I fucking partied all the time. That's what I did. I mean, yeah, that's it'd be better if it came out like that. Yeah, I mean, I'd have a little bit more like, you know. Score a little bit more points in my area if he just said, Yeah, I like to party, you know. But I, you know, at least he did the right thing. He wasn't making it in the NFL. He didn't like it. He said, He said he wasn't liking it. So he left. Um, but 
I, yeah, I think I think he didn't like it because he wasn't good at it and it didn't come as easy to him as it did in college. So that's why I think he left. But that's just me. Yeah, I also think that at college he was. I mean, you college isn't exactly a progressive environment. And I think they like the fact there's this athletic white kid. They could have, you know, I think there was a lot like. I think there's underlying racism that allowed him to have the notoriety that he had. And, you know, you always over-index the athletic white quarterback, right? Right. Because it's like the exception that proves the rule, I guess. So, and then like, dude, it just goes to show like, if they think you're good, they will protect you and you, the rules don't apply to you. The rules won't apply to you because you're good. You have something yes. they want. And like, then you get to the NFL and you're not that good. And so all of a sudden the rules start applying to you. <laughs> and you're not with a bunch of other college kids who think you're rich oil money. You're with a bunch of grown ass men who are like, go fuck yourself, little kid. Like we're here to win. Like we have jobs. Right. So I'm not surprised mm-hmm. he didn't like it. Like you said, inflamed out. Also, like how in the like. I mean. It's criminal that he got he got picked as early as he did, but I mean not that the not that the Browns are really great on talent evaluation. But. No, they don't they don't draft the best uh, people. So no, I, unless I it's offensive saying. linemen, right? Like that Joe Thomas guy or whatever. Yeah, that's like, about it. So that's the other thing too. It's like he went to a shitty organization with shitty leadership. Yeah, there's no room for him to grow there. Uh. Uh-uh. And then, and then you're life. watching Euphoria, huh? Yeah, that's a pretty good show. It's like uh, Degrassi for the new generation, I guess. Like a bunch of people like doing drugs and being teenager. That was just that one episode because uh, I watched a couple other ones and it wasn't even close. Okay. So Janine was um, aghast by the full frontal male nudity that was robust in like an episode. So, but um. Uh, the other than I think the show's good. Like I think the writing's yeah. good. I like the characters. Um, it's just a shame because we won't have a season three because of a the writer strike and b um, one of the characters passed away in real life. Yeah, rest so, in peace. I know. So that's rough because he was a good character. But um, yeah, that's what I've been watching. What about you? Um. So Betty Rebel and the Prodigy went and saw the Barbie movie. And on DIY or HGTV, they did a Barbie Dreamhouse challenge. So we watched that. Sophia, the prodigy, was super into it. What did um, they think about the Barbie movie? Melissa liked it. And Sophia enjoyed it. Okay. Like, you know, it was, uh, I, I didn't mean, I didn't go, I didn't see it. So I'm just relaying, uh, you know, it was like, it was a good experience for the both of them. And you know, Sophia takes it for what it is. She's not reading between the lines. Right, right, right. You know, it's like it's a doll movie and the doll, you know, who wins? Barbie. Mm-hmm. So for her, it was she enjoyed it and stuff. So um, we watched the Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge, which was like all these DIY people. And they had to like they were they got like an era and a room they had to decorate. So. It was pretty cool. Antonio LaFasso was doing a crossover thing. She helped design the kitchen. That was cool. Um, and then we've been watching the Righteous Gemstones on Max. 
HBO, what is now Max, I guess. Uh, it's got Danny um, McBride as like the main character, and it really takes it makes fun of these crazy evangelical super church people and just everything. And it's it's everything you would think a Danny McBride show should be. So nice. Melissa, or uh, she she really likes it. She watched like six episodes the other day. Um, so that's it's pretty good. I really like it too. Um, we've been watching the Project Runway All Stars, and then the way. Have you seen the Wham documentary? I have. We have. We watched that. Yeah, we watched that. I thought that was really good. I thought it was good. I didn't like. I didn't know that Wham had like so many hits because I thought those hits were like George Michael hits, like the solo ones, like Careless Whisper, and then the Christmas one. Yeah, those were just solo George Michael. I didn't know those were Wham songs. Yeah, and it's just so crazy, like all of these like people who have these tumultuous relationships with band members and managers, and like like there's George Michael had this friend. He's like, I want to be in a band, you're gonna be in the band with me. I was like, Oh, cool, we're in a band. He's like, Oh wow, so you can like sing and write all the songs and produce all the songs. Cool, like let's do that. Wham, awesome. And it's like, oh. Yeah, I always knew George was going to go off on his own because he was way more talented. He like he didn't begrudge him. No, he was he was like all right with it. Yeah, and it was just like really yeah. refreshing. Just like you know, that rarely happens. And yeah, like someone and like that story says how like you know he records his Christmas song, and then he goes to do like the British version of Live Aid, whatever that Christmas song, and like this is like how much of a perfectionist and just like his mentality was like yeah it was a good song but like i wanted my song to be number one yeah you know and it wasn't like not not out of spite or anything just like he cared and loves his music so much you know it was cool i really enjoyed it i I like those documentaries like that that's about the only good thing netflix has got going for it right now so the one thing i would say is they they have brought back to the nailed it show but it's like it's like a a season-long competition so it's this really funny cooking show where they basically take home bakers they show them like crazy instagram type i've seen it i've seen and so and i like that one um and then yeah generally speaking most of our netflix is being watched by sophia because they've got good kids programming yeah, they got that stuff going for it. Um, yeah, I've been watching like Hulu and and like I said, that all the other shows that I mentioned earlier before. So, yeah, I didn't add it to this. We're going to talk about it probably next week. But uh, I have we just started watching the new season of What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, nice on Hulu. So it's, get caught up on that. Yeah, it's pretty. The first two episodes we watched pretty fucking funny. All right, but now for our critically acclaimed world famous segment of get rid of one. So this can go one of two ways. They're both going to be on rides, but I need to know what, if you've been on this ride or not, have you been on the guardians of the galaxy ride when it's like Halloween? Yes. You've been on the Halloween version of it with like the zombies and stuff. Okay. Okay. So we shall proceed. So are we getting rid of guardians of the galaxy original? the regular ride are we getting rid of the halloween version of guardians of the galaxy or are we getting rid of the haunted mansion 
or the Nightmare Before Christmas version of the Haunted Mansion? Do you get that? Yeah. So I think that I am getting rid of the Halloween version of Guardians. Because it is not that much different of a ride. Whereas the, the, the entire, the change between the Haunted Mansion and Nightmare Before Christmas Haunted Mansion is pretty like dramatic, even pumping in the smell of gingerbread as you go through the ballroom. Um, so that's what I would do because in the end, it's like, I'm not going making a special thing just to get to the Halloween version of Guardians. Like, I'm going to ride Guardians every time I can, regardless. Whereas with the Haunted Mansion, I think there's a there's more more juice from the squeeze with the changeover. That's an interesting, interesting question. All right. All right. I'm picking I'm going opposite of you and I'm picking the um christmas version of haunted mansion just because i enjoyed the halloween version of um guardians of the galaxy so much with their even their heavy-ish metal music that they've been that they play in it and all the lights and stuff like that and how the signs are like down i just really dug the aesthetics of it and it's fresh in my head still from it so like i still need to see it a couple more times whereas i've been on um the christmas nightmare before christmas version and it's cool i like it but haunted mansion is one of the ones that like i like and i go on but i like other rides over that one so that's my yeah have you been on the um the halloween um space mountain i want to say it's got like the ghost that like screams at you that's right yeah i have been on that one and then we went on last time we went, um, they had like the Star Wars hyperspace mountain. Oh, I've been on that. Yeah. That one's really good. That one's cool. That one's really good. That one was actually really good. I like that one a lot. Yeah, it's my favorite version of, of Space, Space Mountain. mountain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we got off it, like I felt I was like, I felt like it was so much faster. That's hyper hyperspace mountain. Hyperspace man. mountain, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. But that's a good one. Um, if you guys have any, again, if you guys have good, get rid of ones, send them in the mailbag, give them to us. We always like to see it. We've uh, we featured a bunch of different get rid of ones over the years. So um, it's probably one of the most fun things uh, we get to do. So let us know what you want us to get rid of, because I'll throw that shit out like the baby in the bathwater. Boom. Now that we got that situated, we are in the gorilla position, warming up, hitting the bands, hitting the pull-ups. Bobby, what are we coming out to? This is one of our favorites. Some of you probably know it. Most of you probably don't, but it's a cool punk band called A Wilhelm Scream. And this is a song called Boat Builders. And we're going to listen to it right now.
They're good, man. They got metal influences, great guitar work, cool vocals. I mean, they're awesome. If you don't know them, check them out. They're on Spotify. Really good. And they'll be with this song along with mine and the intro and the outro on Songs to Swan Ton to. 2023 Russell Ocalypse, but I'm coming out to um, a band from Japan and they also have Scream in their name, but they're called Broken by the Scream. And this is a, a song called Rising Sun. Um, it's just more stuff like it looks like it could be on an anime video, but it's got cool guitar lyrics, um, different changes in music and tempo. Um, you can check it out right now. Yeah, man. Hope you dug that. Now that we're out, now that we're in the ring, what are we talking about today? We are picking up. We're working through the dark side of the ring. We're a few episodes behind what they're on, but it is okay because tonight we are talking about the one, the only one of what I remember being one of top wrestlers of my childhood. The junkyard dog episode of Dark Side of the Ring. I took fucking notes, dude. Oh, nice. So lead off with them. Let's see what you got. Yeah, man. I think the first thing I wrote down was uh this is the season of addiction. I think every fucking episode there, that is like the downfall of the subject. There are drugs, there's addiction, and for whatever reason that is or caused it, but that is, seems to be the through thread so far of all these episodes. You know, yeah, which, you're actually right about that. Like, which is like a cautionary tale, right? Like, yeah, which is why we're seeing we see so many of this generation of wrestlers dying early and all these issues. It's like the drugs were so fucking prevalent, man. Yeah, like kind of went hand in hand with everything. You know, they go out, go in the ring. And then afterwards, they drink some beers, take some muscle painkillers, then take the uppers, do it all over again. Like that takes a toll on your body, especially with the kind of work that they do. It's like, man. When you're never dealing with an injury, you're just covering it up. Right. Right. And then like, yeah, it's just like, what the fuck does that do to your organs and your heart? And then they're also like, there were steroids involved in like a lot of this era. Like, I'm not saying that junkyard dogs on steroids, but. I just think generally speaking, like there's just a lot of substances being 
abused, you know, Absolutely. for different reasons. But yeah. that's what I that's what I saw too. Um I it was interesting to me because I never knew the whole thing about this. Like there was the quota. You can only have so many black wrestlers and like all the thing kind of early on. Like I remember junkyard dog basically being as good as Hulk Hogan. That's like what I remember of junkyard dog. Right. Yeah. And then seeing kind of the backstory about like what it took for someone like him to get to that point was really eye opening for me. Yeah, for sure. You didn't know about the quota, huh? Yeah. I knew about that. Not like not so explicitly like, oh, this is the thing. Like you can only have one good black wrestler. Like one person could be successful. And I guess that was what was kind of crazy about the fact that what that Ernie, Ernie Ernie Ladd guy, you had a black booker and a black kind of like top of the card guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, man. And it's like, I also seeing it all kind of play out. It was weird how I felt like I felt like, he got watered down in WWF. Yeah. Yeah. He did for sure. Cause like he basically I, would look like, I don't know the guy who was going to get killed in predator first. Yeah. I, I didn't, I only knew him from WWF cause I didn't like, I wasn't, I was not born or I was too young to like see him in his like heyday when he was like super over. But so I'm only familiar with his WWF stuff and he was always a favorite of mine. Cause you know, it's, to make grown man like being a dog it's pretty cool but like you're right about him being watered down because especially watching the footage and the matches that i've seen from back in the day he was way better than what he was in wwf and Vince McMahon man tends to do that at times he did that with dusty Rhodes. he did that with carrie von eric and just like it's just more petty shit that this guy does well he's done a lot of other good things but like he does petty shit like this yeah. And then again, and like the through, then just seeing like, you know, the, how the addiction and then the tragedy of his death too. Right. It's yeah. like the car accident and stuff. It was just, it's like. And then did his daughter, daughter pass away shortly after too? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was like, the whole thing is like, it's tragic. And that's the other thing that's like, you know, dark side of the ring it's like a lot of these we're talking about people who have passed and like under not great circumstances and not you know no so yeah it's been heavy it's like it's like if this is a pay-per-view man like we need a goddamn popcorn match for sure and then which, um, that batch of the beach one is going to be the popcorn match but it's going to be a good episode yeah i'm also it's looking forward episode. to the world according to marty Janetti. Yeah, we just watched. We just finished that one. That oh, one. Oh, good. I haven't seen it yet, but I can only imagine because that guy it seems like he puts his foot in his mouth every opportunity he can. Oh man, talk about a guy that can't get out of his own way. Like, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one. Yeah, the Bash at the Beach though, like the Bash at the Beach one's good too. A lot of a lot of inside baseball on that one. A lot of behind the curtain, pulling the curtain back, whatever you want. Yeah. What I've actually started doing too. And I like it for context is um, that asshole Cornette, he does reviews of the dark side of the rings. Oh yeah. I haven't, I haven't listened to any of his reviews. It, just, they're actually good. Cause it's way, he's way less like, you know, he obviously likes talking about it and he respects the people he's talking about and the era he's talking about. Yeah. So he's not so vitriolic. He's like, 
talking about he, what he remembers and and what he thinks like you know that was one thing he said he said it's like he felt they focused too much on him being like this black wrestler and not like being the best black wrestler when really he was like just one of the best wrestlers yeah period it wasn't about anything and like it was cool hearing that perspective you know and i take everything what that dude says with a grain of salt yeah i mean i agree with like a lot of stuff Cornette says you know I, i just when he gets real vitriolic about like AEW and stuff, like sometimes I'll turn it off, but like, he's right on a lot of things, but um, I, I need to start listening to his reviews. Cause I've been wanting to do that. Yeah. And like, I would say with Cornette, right. It's like, he's just one of those get off my lawn. It was better oh, yeah, when I easily. did it. And that's why he, so it's cool because like, he's really being more thoughtful about how he's like, He's providing his historical perspective. Like the guy was there, man, you know, for a lot of this stuff. And it's cool to hear his perspective. Like, yeah, I always like when he's on the dark side episodes. Yeah. It sucks though. Cause vice is like, vice is like bankrupt. And now it's like, yeah, I don't know. I've been having, they're not, it's my basic cable subscription does not include these episodes. So I have to do a little bit of snooping around to find them. So you have um, Philo or. Do you have that app? Philo? I think so. That's what Philo? we get. Yeah, Philo, that's what we get dark side on. Is it like uh just a subscribe with I don't know. That? I don't I don't remember how much I pay a month, but it's not a lot. Okay. But yeah, I get like Vice, I get A and E, I get um the game show network, I get like a bunch of other channels. It's have you cool. watched those biographies? Have you watched any of those? The A and E ones? Yeah. Uh, on the I've, wrestlers i've been meaning to but like i feel like i want to feel like they've been watered down because they're really heavily like wwe produced but i hear they're good so i, I just haven't gotten a chance to because like i know about Shawn michaels and like stone cold and like stuff. i know i only see because like the stone cold one is like all of my youtube they're yeah, trying okay. to pump me on it like obviously i watch so much wrestling they're like hey you made like this like no i don't want to see an aew biography on stone cold steve austin exactly like i just yeah. it's just kind of weird i just don't want to i mean i've heard they're good so i i could just be like misinterpreting this i know i will eventually watch one of them i mean i really like that villain show they did yeah that was obviously very wwe produced yeah that's true that is a good one but it was cool because it's like i don't know they have all the footage they have all the shit like they have everything dude it's a good point they're like that's why that's why they got bought it wasn't for because of like it was because their content catalog is ridiculous right almost as good as ours not quite i don't know you got anything to add no, because I don't think you can top that. Nope. And on that note, yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. And we're always, always reminding you to show empathy, protect the planet and animals, and support the Wrestleocalypse. Booyakasha. Booyakasha.